Where have the sound principles of masculinity gone? In which that we find ourselves in a society right now where men are caving by the wayside, where you've got thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of men who have just forsaken themselves, who have fallen into the compliance life, as I like to call it, and have stopped critically thinking, stopped providing for their feminine partners. I don't mean that in a financial sense, that too, but more so a psychological, emotional, sexual connection in which that there was supposed to be a trust. You can only ever be where you are right now. What is your podcast? It's the major investment in your life, right? The journey will always be your journey. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Bulldojo Podcast. We're at the home of self-cultivation, a place where we can just dive into social dynamics, where we can understand how best to interact with other human beings and learn about ourselves in relation to others if you have any questions or personal stories that you would like to get my feedback on you can always send them through at boldojo.com b-o-w-l-d-o-j-o.com any one of the contact forms there or you can also reach out to me on social media on instagram at uitang1 tang one or on facebook which is just facebook the adam ui you guys can find all the links down below to that also if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter the bowl sip you can do so over at boldojo.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the bowl coaching memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on boldojo.com. A nice five-track, eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course. Just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash adamui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Or also directly on boldojo.com in the Boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at the Bowl. So thank you very much. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Yes, sir. You know, between the dance of masculine and feminine energy, it is founded upon trust. And that when the feminine looks to the male, that there should be a rock there. There should be a vessel there. There should be a foundation. Not to say that it can't have cracks. Not to say that it doesn't have a vulnerable side or a softer side or a side that has to take a knee every now and again. You know, the shield gets heavy. I totally get that. But at this stage in life, we're currently experiencing in 21st century society, particularly 2021, where so much exercising, we'll say that, so much, I was going to say exorcism, but not exorcism, so much has been exercised of government overreach, of tyrannical overreach, in which that the very principles of human freedom and the rights of human beings to live as autonomous beings are being questioned. And you would think at this time that more masculine beings would be standing up, that would be rising, that would be, and this is fascinating to me, psychologically, From an observational human behavioral standpoint, fascinating to observe how many males have decided that no exact, whatever the government says, it's true. Whatever the government says, it's right. Just do what they say. Just do what they say. And it's it's definitely not all of them. It's definitely not all of them. For sure not. But it is a large proportion of them. And it just highlights actually all the red-pilled males. And I mean that in the sense of the critical thinkers, the ones that aren't just going to lay down as these completely abhorrent vaccine mandates and 
affronts to human rights. You just want to take specific examples of the excessive amount of locking down, the restricting of human freedoms uh, to really, and as we have now found out, oh, I tried not, I'm trying not to make this a political podcast. But okay, I was gonna, I'll finish that point. That we found out now that actually, particularly looking at Melbourne, the lockdowns did nothing. Did absolutely nothing. Most lockdown city in the world did nothing. Things only got worse, worse and worse and worse until the polls went down and forced the Premier Dan Andrews to backflip because he wants to keep his position. Right, but they, they did nothing to save lives. They did nothing to reduce cases. Those two metrics only went up and up and up as lockdowns got harsher and harsher and harsher. So anyways, pushing that to the side, you would think that in these times, tough times, that the tough would appear. And maybe that's where I'm getting confused on that point in my own mind, which is that maybe the tough were never there. This has been one shit hobbit of an intro, my friends. We're going to dive into some real principles today. <laughs> We're going to dive into some real shit today. I want to get into fatherhood. I want to get into running into that little kid on the street this morning. I want to get into dealing with women that have had sexual abuse, sexual trauma. We're going to get into some real sexual space here. We're going to get into the romantic space, the family space. We're going to get into young males particularly because the is it is it true that a broken male is too far gone? Is it true that someone who's, let's say, broken, let's say blue-pilled? If a blue-pilled male, which if we can just, it's very general, but what I'm really talking about there is someone who has stopped questioning truth. They've stopped questioning what the perceived truth is, that they just accept what is given to them. That, to me, is blue pill. It's effectively, and if you look at that in the Matrix analogy, that that is... And it's, they've been aware that there is a red pill, but they've chosen not to take it. It's, that's even more insidious to me. It's like you knew there was a different option. And I think that's largely true. In the real world example, that anyone who's now decided, particularly in Melbourne, that lockdowns are good for us, that government overreach is good for us, that government managing our own health and the gov- our bodies are now property of the government, that's good. Anyone who's made that decision, it is a decision. To what degree is it subconscious versus conscious? To what degree... Are they accountable for it because of the state of fear that they were hypnotically placed under? Yeah, those are big questions. Those are big questions. Are they within my pay grade? Absolutely. <laughs> it's just that we're at, the, we're at the top of this podcast. We're at the top of this bamboo shoot, and uh, I'm grateful to have you guys here. Thank you very much for diving in today's session. If you are here on YouTube, drop a thumbs up down below if you enjoy it. Drop me some feedback in the comments down below as well. If you guys have any big thoughts, any big bigs, any big questions as well, I'd love to hear your feedback. So in these podcasts, I like to throw out a whole bunch of different bamboo shoots and just give you guys some ideas to chomp on, set us up with the contents of this framework, and then we're going to dive in. But let's start off with the beginnings. Let's start off with the basics, which is that masculinity, and most importantly, sound masculinity, is not one shape or form. It is not one algorithm of ones and zeros that you input and key this data in, and all of a sudden you get this particular image out of it, this representation of masculinity out of it. You know, sound masculinity to me is a set of principles, direct, congruent, authentic, covering of empathy. As I said before, we're going to dive into each of those, what those mean. But I think it's really important to get your head wrapped around this, that it's not a masculinity and sound masculinity and even the term alpha masculinity. I've used that in previous videos and I've used that in titles because it's very clickbaity, but not for a second would I ever think that that's the image to chase. That alphaism, that alpha masculinity is the idea here. Absolutely not. You know, maybe if you wanted to get very evolutionary with it, I could hear some sound arguments for that. But I'm talking about this misconstrued, this candy rapid idea of alphaism in society nowadays, that you're just this jacked, I was going to say stoic. I don't think that's really part of it. I think that's me being too generous. But just this, you know, jacked, shredded, top condition, 
don't give a fuck, tread over other people, head down, head forward, smash your way through life, don't take shit. And you know, there's there's positives to a lot of the things that I just said, but there's also a lot of negatives, particularly in the idea that alphaism is and what I just described is the whole picture of masculinity. You know, sound masculinity to me is not weak by any means. It is not flippant by any means. It is not compliant by any means. Not unnecessarily compliant, not blindly compliant by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, it is very much vulnerable, vessel-like, emotional, psychologically in tune, emotionally intelligent. You know, that's that's the other aspect of masculinity that is not discussed in this alphaistic, alpha mystic idea in 20 uh, 21st century society of what it means to be a man. You know, that you just fuck bitches, get money, get jacked, and just everyone's at your uh, beck and call, everyone's at your beck and command as you are this leader of leaders. You know, it's that that caricature, that algorithmic ones, because that is ones and zeros. The things that I just said, are, they're very simple ideas. They're very, they're very shallow ideas. They lack depth. They lack fiber to them. They lack threads to build up their, their constitution that constitutes them. And so it's just, uh, it's very poor thinking. It's very shallow, low level thinking. When we're going to talk about sound masculinity, that to me is built upon principles that can manifest in many different ways. That will be founded upon the following. Let's start off with this. When I talk about the DCA, all my hardcore uh, supporters of this channel will know the DCA, direct and and authentic. I've been talking about it ever since day one, six years ago. But covering with empathy is something I've only spoken about in the last couple of years, really. It was always something that was unsaid, though, covering with empathy, because I just assumed everyone knew it. When I first started particularly working with men and working, well, working with younger, well, I should say boys, boys and maybe some of them looking like men. We'll get to that later. But when I first started working with masculine energy, the idea of having to teach masculine energy empathy was not available. It was, it was not even a, when I say not available, it wasn't like the idea was not floating in the consciousness. It was not floating in collectively around me that, oh, this is something that guys really need to learn because I assumed that everyone had it when I was starting as a coach. Now, six years down the track, what I realize is that it's probably one of the most, one of the most lacking. You know, masculine beings lack being, they're often very indirect, very incongruent, very inauthentic, but if not as much as the others, sometimes a lot more unempathetic. They just have, lack the ability to be able to feel what another feels, to get into the, to get into the energy of another person and to really understand their position. So we're definitely going to go through that. So let's go back to the top here. What does it mean to be direct? When we talk about sound masculinity, principle number one, being direct. Direct means intent. Intent rules everything. Everything that you do, everything that you say is always going to come from a place of where? Question mark. And that's for you to decide. Is it going to come from a place of being direct or indirect? You know, you can largely file down all of your decisions in life. And this, by the way, you know what's interesting about, just I need to say this at the beginning here, because uh, there may be some females listening to this. I noticed more recently, a lot more females have been coming to listen to my content. Like even on the bowl, not specific, like internal energy is very feminine based uh, or at least very balanced. But the bowl has always been very male dominated, but a lot more females have been coming across. So I do need to say this a little bit more, which is actually a lot of what we're talking about here is actually just human principles. But I'm focusing this and targeting this on the male examples. Being direct. The intent, are you going to be direct? Are you going to be indirect? Largely, 
most of your decisions in life can be filed down between these two things. It can be very black and white. Most most of the experiences you go through life, it's going to be one of the two. It's going to be either I'm going to be upfront with this person. I'm going to tell them exactly how I'm feeling, exactly how I'm thinking, and I'm going to allow the leaves to fall where they may, which is obviously practicing many principles of detachment, harmony, equanimity to let things go and let things be as they are. Talk about that a little bit more later on when we talk about the softer side of masculinity, although at least more emotionally intelligent side of masculinity. And we got to get you got to get your head, you got to open up your minds as you guys are listening to this. That when I say soft and hard, you know, when I say soft in relation to the word masculine, it can often conjure up ideas of these weak beta males. And even then, weak beta males, as I become more and more educated in this space, not only as a coach myself, but just seeing more examples of it that there are aspects of weakness and what you would define as betaness to uh, masculine beings. It's not, it's, it's masculine beings in general, like I said before, are not algorithmic, algorithmic ones and zeros. But to the decision-making, getting back here, push that to the side, coming back to the point when we're talking about this principle of being direct, most of the time there, is, is, there are nuanced situations for sure. We'll cover the nuances later, but the general principle being that you're either going to be upfront or you're going to be circular. You're either going to face the issue or the situation, the scenario directly in front of you, as I am doing with you right now, as I'm looking into this camera, that I'm not circling around it right here. I'm looking you guys straight down the barrel. And whatever situation this may be, whether it's a sexual scenario, whether it's a situation in which that you have to tell a woman that you're in a space right now where you only need open and free relationships because you're trying to learn about yourself in relation to others, which means you need to sexually explore not only in a physical sense, but also an emotional sense, psychological sense, right? physical, mental, and spiritual as well. And to spiritually be free, to be able to really absorb, to absorb the experience of this life. And you cannot do that in a monogamous, exclusive relationship right now. To have that upfront conversation and to be that direct of her, to stare her down the barrel of the eyes and be that upfront. And you know, that sounds all well and good, but it's actually, why would most people not do that? It sounds really good. Why they wouldn't do that is because of what that could potentially lead to, which is her saying no. Her saying that I'm not a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. It's not for me. And to be able to harmonize that, hey, actually, maybe this woman isn't the same part of the journey as me. Maybe this woman isn't part of the same journey as me, and maybe we are not right to be together right now, and so I'm going to have to let her go. This is another part. We're going to talk about immature to mature state psychology at some point here. What I refer to as the journey. Evolving from immature to mature state psychology is the journey. And part of that immatureness, part of that immaturity is that you hedge your bets. A boyhood mentality, a boyhood psychological mentality that is very immature hedges his bets. He would prefer to be indirect because by being indirect, he has a stay of execution. He is very circular. What's interesting though is that all paths lead. All paths lead to the same result, whichever way you want to go. You can even take the long way around or the short way. Now the short way in acute very acutely presents more pain. It all comes down to pain. We talk about pain, we talk about fear here when we talk about being direct versus indirect. Why someone would be direct is because they know that they're going to be as efficient and effective as possible in this particular scenario. They're going to save pain. They're going to face pain, but they're going to save pain. And by facing pain as quickly and as effectively, timely as possible, you save the duration of it. While it feels very acute in the moment to have a woman say, actually, you know what? Can't be part of that, which means that you're not going to have a further sexual experience with her. And we'll go into a deep micro here, but it's a good face because sexual polarity really is the uh, 
foundations of human life and existence as we see it. Saves pain. Saves pain, even though it presents pain faster. So when I talked about before, state of execution, why you wouldn't be direct, why you wouldn't tell a girl what your true intentions are in a sexual burgeoning sexual relationship. And maybe you guys have just had one sexual experience and now you're having the talk. But that's interesting though, isn't it? Because if you go back to last the last month's podcast, the most recent episode, we had an absolute demolition of this particular principle by one particular male being, one particular immature state, psychology, boyhood mentality from a particular guy who just danced, who just essentially just dragged this woman through barbed wire, who just led her on, led her on, led her on, indirect, 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 and it was an absolute volcanic eruption with lightning bolts thrown into it. At the end, it's a great podcast. Go back and listen to it. It's, it'll light you up. It'll absolutely light you up. It'll tell you exactly how not to treat a woman. It'll tell you exactly why you shouldn't be indirect. That previous podcast, I forgot the title of it, but it's the, one, it's the episode before this because we've only been doing one a month here on The Bowl recently. That's a, that's a legendary podcast. It's very painful. And you see the real world effects of being indirect. Now, what happens is that the reason why I got onto this point was that while being direct presents pain faster, it's much less pain. It presents it immediately, but it's much less because it only happens under one conversation. You just have to go through ripping off the band-aid, so to speak, of your ego to have a little demolition within your own ego to go, okay, I realize I need to let this girl go. I need to let this woman go if she's not down for that particular style of relationship, which is often the case a lot of times. Not everyone's in the same place in the journey at the same time. So if you're going to be indirect, you're going to circle around that, which means that you're not going to be upfront with her about your sexual desire, sexual intents, where you want to be in life. And so you get to continue having sex with her. You get to continue uh, receiving the validation of having her in your life, friends, family, et cetera. Your ego just keeps getting, just keep getting pom, 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 pom. And your egoic balloon just gets larger and larger. You rise higher and higher into the sky. But as a wise man once said, the higher the swag, the swaggier the fall. (laughs) Ah, yeah, I'm glad I was able to work that in, even though it's not directly applicable. (laughs) I fucking love that quote. Shout out to Dylan, uh, a guy that I know who works at a local food shop. He once said that to me. I've worked it in so many times, particularly being on dates with girls. There was this one time where I was unconscious laughing at how I worked that shit in. Anyways, anyways, anyways. What I was meaning to try to say that is that the higher your ego rises, right, the larger the fall. <laughs> Even though it's got nothing to do with swag. But <laughs> you guys feel free to use it. Higher the swag, swaggy the fall. In this scenario, the higher the ego, the more egoic the fall, the harder the fall the larger the fall, the more destruction there is. Because, you know, as you delay this, as you delay this painful process out of telling her exactly what your true intent is, you know, she's conjuring, manifesting, harboring, seeding ideas of what your future life will be together. And then when it comes 11, 10, 12 weeks later, that you have to finally break up with her or that you finally have to tell her because there's another girl Maybe there was another girl the entire time or whatever, however it comes to be. Maybe she just catches you, which is what happened in the last podcast. Maybe she catches you out of a different girl and all of a sudden that brings apart, brings about the volcanic eruption. You know, it's a big eruption. Whereas the eruption would have been so much smaller if you had just faced the pain immediately. And, you know, it's I use the word pain uh, in frame of a beginner, in frame of someone who is not 
unconsciously competent, someone that has not traversed the journey of managing themselves in relation to others, that has not made the journey of going from immature to mature state psychology. It is painful to have to be direct. But as you practice it, as you ingrain it in your way of being, it then becomes pleasurable. Having these frank, bold, also empathetic, but definitely very bold, very cutthroat in a sense, cutthroat to the throat of the ego. You have to learn to come to a place in order to be so direct in most scenarios. And we're talking about very sexual right here, particularly keeping it just on the sexual focus, to be sexually direct to, and you know, that's, that opens up a whole different box as well, actually. To be sexually direct in your relationship dynamic, which is how you guys are going to operate. Are we going to be exclusive? Are we going to be open and free, which means casual, open relationship? How are we going to operate here? Are we going to have a hybrid relationship? Are we going to have uh, more just random friends and benefits and just kind of fuck around every now and again because maybe you're only in my city once every few weeks or every month or so or whatever it may have been, pre-COVID when we're allowed to travel. But things are starting to open up a little bit more. So maybe your relationship relationship dynamics as international travel opens up, is your relationship dynamics are going to change a little bit more. You guys might be seeing this. In order to be sexually direct in that space requires a demolition and the cutting of the throat of your ego. And as you get better and better, as you get more practiced at it, what you realize is that actually the ego doesn't even pop its head up because it knows it's going to get cut every time. So it's like you may as well just do it, get good at it, get good at being direct, which means that you tell her exactly how you're feeling, exactly how you're thinking, what this means not only for you, but for her, you two together in relation all the sound principles of open and free relationships. I have many and many podcasts on this. In fact, one we did very recently. You go through all that and all of a sudden you come out the end and realize that you maintained your integrity. The most important part about being sexually direct is integrity. Sound principles of masculinity. Being direct, why? Because it maintains integrity. Does it mean that every woman is going to love you? No, absolutely not. Some girls get very upset with you. Some women will come back to you and actually, I use that word very carefully. Some girls will get very upset with you. Women will not get upset with you though. Women always respect the upfront directness. Some girls though, who have not traversed their own journey from immature to mature state psychology, they were hoping, they were living in an egoic fantasy land that this guy was going to be my one and only, even though you've only had one experience together. They were already locked in to their own egoic fantasy of where this would one day go. And they can revolt. They can have a inflammatory response to you being so direct about exactly what you want and exactly where you are and what this is going to look like for both of you moving forward. But make no mistake, their inflammatory response is not at you. It is at themselves. They are only responding to what they are feeling within themselves, which is embarrassment, which is a betrayal of their own ideas of, hey, I thought I was an independent woman. I thought I was... uh, I thought I trusted myself to make the correct decision. I thought that I knew, I thought that I knew myself well enough. When someone is presented, this is a very large human principle. When someone is presented with information that contradicts their own egoic beliefs, their own self-perceptions, you can only go one of two ways. Reinforce, rationalize and reinforce, which is effectively cognitive dissonance. That was despite the evidence that I'm wrong, despite the evidence that whatever I thought was going to go down is not, and that the truth of reality is that it's not what I thought it would be. In this example, this guy isn't the guy for me. He's not directly saying to me that he's not going to be my guy. Emphasis on the word there, mine, my. You can either rationalize around that and you can enter a place of cognitive dissonance and attempt to 
And that's where you'll get an inflamed response. And then they'll try and put it back on you. They'll try and throw the fire back at you. This is what a immature girl will do. And they'll say, you know, even though you're saying some pretty sound things, like in terms of the reasoning from, well, the, the reasoning that I would give a girl and continue to do this day is that if I don't want to be in an exclusive relationship, that it's because for me personally is that I want to learn from as many human beings as possible. Now, that to me is a... Not that you have to justify your reasons in any way, shape, or form. It's really, it's just being empathetic enough to let her know why, why it is. You know, you could largely say, did you even have to say why? You know, that's an argument in and of itself. Did you even have to say why you want to be in an open relationship? Well, technically not. I guess legally, not always legally. In terms of uh, on a technicality, probably not. It's enough just to be direct enough just to say that I'm going to be open. But then maybe not. It's direct enough to convey the point, but it's not direct enough to foster a relationship. If you're going to be in a relationship with someone, you're going to have to bring empathy in. This is why with the direct and congruent authentic, we have to keep bringing the empathy in because as I said before, I never really had to say this years ago, but now it seems like I have to say it, which is that of course I would tell her the reason why I want to be in an open and free relationship, which is that I want to see other people I want to be experiencing as much as I can with other human beings, learning about myself in relation to them, which yes, does mean that I need to have sexual experiences with them, that I need to learn how to manage myself when you're having sexual relationships with someone else. That is a huge part of dealing and cutting throat of the ego, demolition of the ego. You know, the dissolution of all that and to to come into harmony of all that is a very, uh, is very painful. It's very painful if you're not accustomed to it, if it's not something that you've had any experience with. It's actually one of the main benefits of being in open for relationships. But that's a facade. Getting back to the inflammatory response you might receive from someone, and we went on a real, real bamboo shoot with that. But what I was trying to dive into with that, just to make sure I finish it up, is that, yes, when interpreting her inflammatory response, yeah, here we go, is that no matter how inflamed her response or non-inflamed response will be, but particularly when it is inflamed and she goes, oh, well, you know, you know, it's like this is very disappointing and I thought you were going to be the only guy for me and I didn't think you were that type of guy. You know, she's trying to like put it back on you because she's trying to rationalize and work around her own cognitive dissonance of how she was obviously too many steps ahead. Now, this is all predicated on you managing the timing and the process of this particular talk. What I refer to as the talk in the correct timing, that you haven't let it dragged on four or five sexual experiences. This is literally after the very first one, right? To establish that there was even a sexual connection that you wanted to explore. You've already, this is the point of that, which this conversation is happening. So you receive an inflamed response, but at the end of the day, and this is what I've seen in my own life, is that you still maintain your integrity. It's like, no matter how upset she gets with it, for her own internal reasons, the fact that you were direct from the beginning, Maintain your integrity. How many times I have had a, you know, particularly nowadays, it's, I guess it's just because of the selection process in terms of, you know, the type of girls that I do get involved with. I don't really get involved with girls anymore. I only get involved with women for the most part. You know, it's, it's, it's such a, that's actually a really interesting point. Now you guys know we're here in a social dynamics podcast. I love to dive into these tangents. That as I've been getting older and older, my desire for girls is becoming less and less and less. And when I'm talking about that, my desire for women has been getting more and more and more. Mature state psychology is what I'm talking about. And it seems like a natural thing. It seems like an organic thing. But, you know, it's, 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 but it's, it's confusing. It's confusing because 
the physical appearance, the sexual allure of a physically younger female, I think is very hardwired uh, physiologically evolutionary. I think it's like when you when you see really attractive young girls, and I'm talking about I'm talking about still legal, of course, but younger. So we're talking about eighteen year old. Say, compare an eighteen year old girl to a twenty eight year old woman. You know, the the worlds apart in psychology in general. I'm not talking about outliers and nuanced situations, but in general. Someone who's got 10 years on someone is probably going to be more psychologically mature. But the physical attraction to younger girls is never going to leave you. It doesn't matter how old you get as a male. You see a tight 18-year-old body, you're going to be attracted to that. And if it's, you know, it's all well put together, you're going to be attracted to that. But it's amazing how those attraction meters can get turned off when their level of psychology is revealed. Just an interesting point I've been finding as I'm getting older. Anyways, moving back here. Maintaining integrity. Even if I have received an inflamed response to presenting pain very fast up, very quick up by having a direct conversation, I always receive some form of a message, if not the next night, later that night, maybe a week later. Maximum, I think, it's been like two weeks, but it's within the next two weeks. I'm receiving a message saying, hey, listen, Adam, I had time to think about what you said about the whole being open and free and the non-exclusivity that you wanted to go into and you know sometimes if she did get very inflamed she'll apologize sorry sorry that i flew off the handle you know i just didn't really know how to receive it at the time if she didn't get inflamed or that inflamed she would just go straight into saying that i appreciate you i appreciate the fact that you're upfront with me even though this is not for me because when you're having this talk of girls there should never be any pressure to receive a result then and there another principle another or another key of sound masculinity that you don't need to transact you don't need to take anything from the woman then and there. We talk about this in terms of sex. We talk about this in terms of logistics. We talk about this in terms of relationship dynamics. You don't need anything from her. You didn't come in. You should never, as a masculine being, come into a relationship with a feminine looking to take from her, only looking to give, only looking to provide, to serve something, whether it's to serve a vessel, whether it's to serve a random hot flash firework experience of a cherry blossom, of a succotor-like moment, you know? You talk about the falling of the sucker to five centimeters per second. That's what we're talking about in terms of this short-lived experience. And what I'm talking about there, for those that don't know, a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous anime film called Five Centimeters Per Second, which is a film based on the idea of that a sucker pedal falls at roughly five centimeters per second, which largely speaks to the the fleeting life the fleeting experience that we have in life. Because as you all know, Sakura only lasts really about two weeks. Well, the blo- the blooming of a Sakura really only lasts about two weeks, but their leaves even shorter. You know, it's just, they come and they go. It's, I see it in my streets. We've got a whole lineup of, I'm not that I'm in Japan here, but we've got a whole lineup of Sakura uh, cherry blossom trees in our street. And it's like, it's com- comes and it goes. It's so fast how they form this brilliance, this one of the most natural, brilliant, spectacular displays that you can see of any tree, but it's gone so quickly. And you know, that's like, that's a tremendous natural mentality to take into a relationship that if this only needs to last two weeks, if this only needs to last a very short period of time, then I'm going to make sure that it's an absolute expression of love. That it's going to be an expression of, of giving. And this is when I look at that Sakura is that the Sakura is not trying to take from me. The Sakura provides all this beauty. It provides this revelation of wisdom, this intrinsic feeling of, connectedness that this is really what life is life is so fleeting and it's like i receive all of that 
from this tree, but the tree asks nothing of me. We're, ta- we're talking about you guys, if you guys are familiar with the Tao Te Ching, you'll find principles, natural principles in Eastern philosophy are embedded in the naturality of the world. And there's so much that nature can teach us about our own relationships. And I take the very suck at a tree outside of my house and I apply that into a relationship that I have that I'm not trying to take anything from her. That's where this all started. I know we're getting off a of major bamboos here, but he's a good bamboos. He's a good bamboos, my friends. I'm not trying to take anything from her. Never trying to take anything from her. And so that's why integrity is always maintained. And that's where that point is coming back from. Just it was a little, it was actually an absolute, it was, it was a micro. The micro I was going on was, you're never trying to transact in a moment. If You should always be giving her time to, as I just do with my hands, to feel this out. You should give her time to feel her out when you present the talk and present what an open fair relationship looks like that you don't expect a result then and there. You don't expect her to make a decision then and there. She's going to need time. And oftentimes when she does have time, she comes back in time and says, hey, listen, this time it's not for me. Maybe another time. And that in and of itself is a maintenance of integrity. When I just said there at the end of that nice little poetic string, maybe another time. What that reflects in real life conversation, not that I've ever had a girl poetically say that to me like that. What she's often said is that, hey, I really appreciate you just being up front with me. Appreciate you being direct with me. Not many other guys are like this with me. In fact, almost a lot of times, many girls said to me, no guys like that with me. No guy has just fronted up at the beginning of a sexual relationship with me and told me exactly where he's at mentally, where he's at and what he's looking to achieve in the relationship space. It's so rare. And I thank you so much for that. But at the same time, it's not for me. And here lies more and more, more and more of the masculine principle of being direct to maintain the principle. It's one thing to be direct for a moment. It's one thing to have the balls to front up with a direct proposal of a sexual relationship that is going to be open. It's another thing to be direct in perpetuity, eternally, to maintain that stability your unwavered confidence in that this is exactly what I said and what I say is what I do. So that when she comes back and rejects the offer, says, no, this is not for me, that you don't cave, you don't collapse. I've seen this too many times. But no, actually, actually, when we're with, with real world clients, I've seen it many a time where some guys can get themselves half of the way with being direct in terms of this sound masculine principle. But when it comes push, when push comes to shove, when they don't get the response that they want, they cave. And they go, oh, no, 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 actually, that's, you know, that's, it, it doesn't, I wasn't really that serious about it. I wasn't actually, that's not exactly what I meant. It was actually kind of like, yeah, maybe we could be, you know, like a little bit serious, you know, maybe can kind of be boyfriend and girlfriend, you know, it's, and they'll, they'll just step by step, move the goalpost back and just keep, uh, keep retracting, keep retracting on what they had initially proposed. Disgraceful. Maintaining your directness in in an eternal nature. To be eternally direct is just as important as incepting the directness. But I just want to finish that principle when we're talking about about being direct on the sexual relationship space that no matter the response you receive, it will always be respected. And that is really the foundation of being direct is that respect in and of itself 
is something worth prizing. To be respected. When you think about all the honorable men you know, please take a moment. Think about the actual men you know that you consider to be honorable. You consider that you would have them in the trenches. You would have them with you standing at the hot gates. As the millions of Xerxes hordes were coming and bearing down upon you and you're standing there shoulder to shoulder with 300 other men, who are those other 300 men going to be? What do you envision when you see them, when when you're holding those shields, when you're lined up in those ranks? I would hope that they're all respectable. By definition of the analogy of the story and metaphor, they are all respectable. They're people that you would not that you would not take for whim, that you would not, that when they say what they say, you believe it. That's one of the most foundational principles of being direct is that it sets up account. It's an account for people that you know that are direct, whether you like them or not, whether you like the decision they made or not, you trust that that is actually their decision and it will stand. You have this idea of standing behind your word. I'm sure you've all heard this. Till the cows come home. Stand behind your word. Mean what you say. Say what you mean, mean what you say type thing. But how many people do you actually know that you believe that 100% about them? That no matter what they say, there is not even a sliver of a doubt that they would backtrack on it. And it's not to say that they're not infallible and would want to recorrect and make a different decision, as in say I've taken, you know, for example, Perspectives, perspectives on different political issues, uh, contentious issues in society that new evidence is always forming, you know, like climate change, COVID, et cetera, et cetera, nutritional stances, whatever it may be. It's not that you can't change your mind or change as a person to be more informed. You know, that's the process of science. It's the process of revealing truth to yourself, constantly finding where you were once wrong and then to own up to that and say, okay, I've found new data points of information. I need to adjust where my position is. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about character, character. I was going to say caricature. I'm talking about character. I'm talking about if someone says they were going to do something, not the way that they were thinking about something, the way they're going to do something. They say they'll be there. They say that they'll be there at 11 a.m. They say that, that if everything bad was ever to happen, that they'll be there, that they'll be the one on the phone. They'll be the one that will call up. They'll be the ones that will take you to hospital. They'll be the ones that if you were in hospital, they take care of your children. That you, If your house burned down, you trust that person. Right? Now we're starting to talk about trust here. Directness, we're still in the principle of directness, but now you're talking about things like respect, trust, sound principles of masculinity. These are just roots, roots and branches of a main log that we've got here. The main log of being direct that makes up one of the foundations of this particular tree of sound masculinity, we're looking at offshoots here. We're looking at all the different offshoots, all the different wraps of roots underneath it and that dive down deep into the ground that are firmly rooted, that make up this particular log. You trust and respect, absolutely. And actually, a lot of these you're going to find are a species of root that are ever-present. And we start talking about congruence, authenticity, and empathy later. Trust and respect are always going to be there. But you don't trust someone who's not, you don't trust someone who you don't respect. And you don't respect someone who never is direct. (laughs) It came out pretty well. You do not trust someone that you don't respect and you do not respect someone who is never upfront with you about how they think and how they feel. It's actually, when I think about my own life right now, 
I think about the masculine beings that I consider honorable, respectful, and trustworthy. Even the ones that I don't particularly want to spend much time with. That's such a good point. There are some masculine beings that I don't particularly resonate with that well, that I wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with. Just because if we have differing stances on particular issues or they just live a completely different style of life or their particular energy is not an energy that I particularly frequent like my frequency does not really vibrate very well with. And you just we just get you know what I'm talking about. You don't have to, you don't have to you don't even have to get uh hippie with it. You don't even have to get all spiritual with it. You can just literally say, uh, when we're in the same room together, yeah, we just I just don't get that feeling, man. I just don't get that feeling. All right? We're not bunk buddies. It's not that type of feeling. But at the same time, there are some of those people that I know that I would call above others that I do have a better energetic connection with, but they're very flippant. They're not that trustworthy. They're not that respectful, respectable, I should say. They're not that, and why? And why? Here's the point. Because they're not that direct. I The reason why it's DCA and not CDA or ACD, yeah, or not ACD, the reason why direct is first, whenever I talk about masculine principles, being sound masculine, the reason why direct is first is because it's the most important. Because when we talk about congruence, which is about your external actions, and authenticity, which is about your internal decision-making, and then empathy, which is your larger care and concern for everyone around you, all of those things have to be underpinned, founded upon being direct. I can't imagine a world where someone is making... Well, it's like... Well, it's, no, it's, it's, it's in compute. I'm sure you guys are here with me. If you guys are really tapped into this podcast, you can see where my mind was just about to go, which is that it's, a, it's, it's mutually exclusive. It can't work that you couldn't have someone making congruent external actions and authentic internal decisions to being direct if being direct wasn't already there. You can see that when we say congruent, being congruent and making congruent external actions, congruent to what? When we talk about authenticity, Authentic internal decision-making. To what, though? To the base root of being direct. The spearhead of being direct is letting people know that if I tell you this is what it is, that's what it is. If I say that this is how I'm feeling, it's how I'm feeling. Whether I'm upset with you, whether I love you, whether I'm undecided with you, whether I'm not even really sure, whether I've got questions for you, whether I'm feeling apprehensive, whether I'm feeling fearful, and we will talk about fear later on in this masculine podcast. There's so much to get to. Whether I'm feeling, whether I'm feeling weak in the knees, where I feel like I need there's a shoulder I need to lean on, where whatever it may be, that that is exactly what it is. It's just, it's like, it's when I was thinking about that analogy with the tree and these 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 logs that make up the tree or the base roots, the base the base of the tree. You know, being direct is really the core spiral, and that everything else kind of just works around it. Because if you're, just, if you're going to treat people indirectly, if you're going to dodge around life, if you're going to be this little just slug, just this slug, that's what comes to my mind, this slug that just slugs its way around life with no fucking backbone. And that's what being direct is. Being direct to people is having a backbone to tell them how you feel, what it is. And it's not to say that you're not going to be empathetic about it, but you will not make any qualms. You will not make any concessions about your principles. When the government tries to take your kids away from you, when they try to take your job away from you, when they try to, when any external power or force tries to reckon with your position in life, with how you live, your way of life, your warrior's way, 
that you will not concede to that. You will not comply. You will not concede. You will not collapse. Because you are direct. You are founded upon direct principles of speaking up. And this is, you know, there's a there's a quote. There's a quote that maybe I might have to read out a couple of times in this podcast, but I'm going to read it out right now. It's a long one, but it's fucking amazing, which is from a young woman known as Sophie Scholl. She was a... She was a revolutionary. She was a revolutionary in Nazi Germany, and she was executed for her beliefs, one of the 13,000 executed for dissenting against Hitler, against the Führer's ways, the Führer's ways. And she had distributed a whole bunch of pamphlets and leaflets on her uni campus uh, talking about her dissent. And uh, her brother escaped execution, I believe, but she was sent to the guillotine. Her brother was also involved in that campaign as well. She has one of the most powerful quotes I've ever read in my entire life. And this is what she had to say. The real damage is done by those millions who want to survive. The honest men who just want to be left in peace. Those who don't want their little lives disturbed by anything bigger than themselves. Those of no sides and no causes. Those who won't take measure of their own strength for fear of antagonizing of their own weakness. Those who don't like to make waves or enemies. Those for whom freedom, honor, truth and principles are only literature. Those who live small, mate small, and die small. It's the reductionist approach to life. If you keep it small, you keep it under control. If you don't make any noise, the boogeyman won't find you. But it's all an illusion, because they die too. Those people who roll up their spirits into tiny little balls so as to be safe. Safe? From what? Life is always on the edge of death. Narrow streets lead to the same place as wide avenues. And a little candle burns itself out, just like a flaming torch does. I choose my own way to burn. So for sure. Fuck. Just need to breathe that shit in. Just need to breathe that shit in. What directness. What congruence? What authenticity? What directness? You know, I believe the reason why I brought up that quote, I've kind of just lost myself in it now, is where congruence and authenticity get their map. Where, how, how are you able to plot the course of congruence externally and authenticity internally if there was no compass, if there was no direction, inception, something that gave the orders? What are the orders of your life? Are you going to be like Sophie Scholl? In times of such great distress... Where millions of people, six million plus Jews, lifted from this world. And that's kindly putting it. Many times disintegrated from this world. Millions, millions of people in Germany went along. And not just around Germany, but particularly in Germany, went along, complied. Now, not all of them complied because they thought it was the right thing to do. I actually would, if I could go back in time, what I would find is that I think what you would find is that a majority of them didn't think it was the right thing to do, but the fear of compliance was far greater. The fear of protecting their own family, because if they were found to not be complying, they would get found out, they'd get dobbed in. The SS would show up, and then they would be the ones at the, at the execution block. They were congruently, if any one of those people who chose to say nothing during Nazi Germany, 
that are also now choosing to say nothing. The same psychological weed infects all. If you have not been raised upon the principle of being direct with people, to speak up in the face of tyranny, of adversity, of of anything that would you see fit, that you deem fit to be an affront to the freedoms of human rights. And it's and we're getting very large here. We've come out very large here. We were initially talking about sexual relationships. But it goes beyond this. Now, actually, I think we can start to move off that. Let's continue this line. Anytime you see wrong being done and you don't speak up, it's, it goes to even down a micro on the street when you see a little kid getting bullied and you don't intervene. Or you see someone getting fucked up on the street, you don't intervene out of self-preservation. Now, I get it. There are some scenarios where it would be less effective for you to intervene directly with your hand and might be better to go gain help of others. You know, Don't get into the weeds with me on that. I'm talking about the very principle of doing something, not turning away, not closing your eyes altogether, which is why I've just, it's what I mentioned before at the beginning of this podcast, the collapse the collapse of masculinity, the collapse of sound masculinity is now, you can see it's a puddle. It's a puddle. And what is it made up of? What is the puddle consistent of? It's consistent of people that have closed their eyes, that are no longer willing to be direct. Because even just by opening your eyes, and by and what I mean by saying opening your eyes is to convey the light out of them that has a direct message, that has a direct principle. I'm trying to keep this as least political as possible, but it's just so ever-present right now. You know, I, maybe maybe I shouldn't do this then because it just keeps coming up. As in, maybe I should stop stop trying. I should not not be trying to make this political. But I receive these messages. I receive these messages from people. It's not even just messages. When I look at the people that I know in my local sphere, in terms of the sphere, even if it's just like a local internet sphere, of people that I know that have platforms, that have an ability to speak a message that I know behind closed doors aren't approving of what's going on right now. But out of fear of turning off brands, sponsorship, uh, turning off other social connections, maybe social connections that they leverage for more awareness to their own particular brands, whatever it may be, you know, relationships. They're they're not willing to speak up. They've said nothing. I've literally had conversations with other males in real life, in real life, not even just on the interwebs, that they've directly told me, thank you so much for everything that you're doing in terms of what I'm doing of bringing awareness to what I feel is the injustices of the world right now, and bringing just to, and also just what a lot of people keep saying to me is, Adam, you're the common sense guy. You just keep bringing, you keep your your fight for common sense is just so ever present. It's it's so obvious that this is the thing that you're trying to push the most, and it's so true. It's so true. It's like I don't consider myself a freedom fighter. I consider myself a fighter for common sense, a, a fighter for rational thinking, rational critical thinking. And if that's and if that deems me a freedom fighter then okay but that's not where i come from or from i come from is that's like of course we should have early stage treatment for a pandemic sized disease in australia but we don't so where's all that at even though you can see in other countries india uh, mexico so many other places completely rid themselves of covid through early stage treatment it's it blows my mind that it's not set up here but nevertheless the reason why i got on this point was that i've had other males come up to me in the street on the beach and say that i see your work and i love it and at the same time, I, I don't say it to them at the time because it's just like I, I'm not trying to I – don't, don't, I don't want to get into an argument with them when they're saying this. It's not, I'm, not that, I'm not that confrontational where I'm going to say, well, why aren't you doing it? Like I'm not that type of guy because I know why they're not doing it. And you know what? 
in that conversation that I have with them, I can feel it as well, that they know as well. It's like they know that I know. They know that I know that they're not speaking up when they could. And so there's, it's almost as if they are guilty in the way that they're thanking me. I, felt, I have felt this from several male beings, the guilt in which that, and some of them, have, much more of them have done it through online web, by online communication. But for the few, the handful of interactions I've had in real life, where the way that they say, hey man, I'm so, I love what you're doing, I'm so grateful and so thankful that you're doing what you're doing and speaking up against all this stuff. And you, can you guys like hear the way my voice is going down? Can you see my body language? I've crossed my arms over in front of my groin particularly. Yeah, I've entered a very weak pos- position physically here. And also verbally, social dynamics of it. What does this convey? That I'm not proud of what I'm, I'm not proud of what I'm hiding here. I'm not proud of what's not being said. And what's not being said is that I'm so grateful that you're doing it, Adam, because I don't have the courage to, because I've chosen not to. That's what's not being said. And that's and I, it's just many a night I will, I will come home. I will come home after a night at the beach. Or I'll just finish wrapping up an extremely intense edit process for a protest video or some other video or whatever it may have been or whatever whatever it was. And I'm just let's just say that I'm just in a reflective time. And I go, why isn't anyone else doing this though? It's like, why am I the only one in South Australia of my age group doing this? And that is not even I, I say that out of detestment. It's like and it's not I'm not saying that as out of an accolade. I'm saying that why am I the only when I say the only, I know of a couple of us, but I'm talking about is really in generalities. But at the same time, not quite, not quite. It's like I know some other males that are that 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 will share, that will reshare a lot of stuff, but they won't create any of their own stuff. That's what I'm really talking about. I'm talking about being a spearhead. I'm talking about why am I the only spearhead in my state? I'm the only one out there of my age group that is making content that is bringing direct awareness to it. Now, does it mean that every male has to get out there and do that? No, there are many ways of fighting. There are many, many ways of fighting. All I'm saying is that of the creators that I know that have the potential, that have the ability to be able to spread a message in a very direct way, in a way that does directly convey their convictions, choosing not to, even though I know how they feel about it, choosing not to. I'm taught, you guys can, maybe you might be able to sense my tornness with this. Because at the same time, and I've said this to one of my other mates, one of my really close friends, who doesn't have the creative abilities, well, he hasn't, he hasn't harnessed, he hasn't cultivated them. Not that he couldn't do it, but he hasn't spent his life cultivating creative abilities. He's an engineer, so, so I don't fault him for not making videos and shit. Like that's not what I'm saying, but, but he's he's quite in the back. I remember saying to him just the other day that because he's really worried about the vax mandates, that he's like, would I be crazy to not get? the vaccine because sorry let me say it again would i be crazy to no no that's right would i be crazy to not get the vaccine and risk losing my job in order to not be able to provide for my family and not be able to provide for my family in order to just maintain my own principles i said absolutely not that's like the, the opposite of that would be crazy the op- that is the opposite of it to me and it's like i understand the crazy though it's like i'd never judge you for being crazy enough to get something injected into your body in order to go and do work and to provide for yourself and others. While it is crazy to me that you would allow that act to happen, I completely understand where it would come from. And I think that's where 
And I think that's where we need to have empathy and draw lines that not everyone's the same. That I'm literally the type of person that EJ Carroll described on her interview with uh, Discernible with Matt. Shout out to EJ if you one day happen across this. That she was talking about the 80-20 split of society. That there will always be 20% of society, and you see this in children and young childhood development, that of a group of 10 kids, there's always going to be two that have to do it their way. That you cannot force them to do something without giving them sound reasoning to believe that this is the reason for why I want to do it. They will not do it because you say it's good for them. You have to make them realize for themselves that it's good for them. And they'll and you know, these these are the ones that they're the non-compliant. They will not comply. Not even with things that are actually probably out, outwardly speaking, good for you. Like, for example, don't run across the road. Don't just run across the open street. There's always going to be two out of 10 kids that they will not believe you just because you say that's the right thing to do. You will need to convey to them in a much different way. For them, you need to speak to them differently. You need to say, well, listen, you're not going to be able to you know, ride bikes. You're not going to be able to ride your bikes and play soccer anymore if you run across that road because you're not going to have legs anymore. You know, I know that sounds like a groom, that's a gruesome thing, but that's the real reality of it. You get hit by a car, you're not going to be able to play soccer. That kid will then get it because then he'll go, oh, I'll make the decision then because I want to continue playing soccer because I want to continue having functioning legs and he'll rationalize it for himself and he'll form his own opinion for himself. Now, those kids eventually become adults and I'm one of them. You could never get me as a kid to do anything unless you allowed me the ability to decide for myself. I was the t- one of the two out of 10. But eight out of 10 kids are happy to comply without reasoning based on their own self-inception, at their own inception point of having to come about that for themselves. You can just tell them, don't cross the street because it's dangerous. And they go, okay, fine. That's fine. Now listen, don't inject yourself with drugs. It's not good for you. All right, that's fine. It's fine. And they will just trust. They, won't, they don't want to look into it. They don't want to research into it. Just say it, they do it. They say, hey, listen, listen, fat's bad for you. Low fat, all the way. Margarine, all the way. Right? Get the fat out of your diet, eat as much sugar as you possibly can. This is the whole push throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and largely early 2000s. But really from 70s to 90s, low fat, high sugar, which we found out was extremely detrimental and actually just completely false, falsified. That animal fat particularly is key to human function. And that fat is a incredible, incredible has an incredibly important role in the metabolic function of all human beings. So many of your processes rely upon fat. Fat-soluble vitamins such as K2, which are only ever presently found in animal products, particularly in, in quantities that you would actually consider significant or reasonable. Let's not get into a whole nutritional podcast on this. But what I'm talking about there is the advent of people just believing them, believing what the government said, that, okay, low fat, high sugar now. Now, what you don't realize is that the restrictions on daily fat intake, dietary fat intake, and dietary cholesterol intake particularly, have been removed from pretty much every body, particularly the American body, which is it FDA? It's not FDA. No, American Heart Association. There you go. American Heart Association removed their dietary intake restrictions on cholesterol and fat. They just removed it. They didn't tell anyone about it, but they just removed it. Even though for, for the better part of 30 to 40 years, they were demonizing fat, saying that you've got to eat as little fat as possible and as much sugar as you can. And you, well, you can look at all the different reasons as to why they're trying to push sugar. There is definitely conflicting interests with all the different companies that are producing out processed bullshit and high fructose corn syrup, all this stuff. You look into a little bit deeper. But all I'm trying to paint here is that 80% of people would just hear what the government says, low fat's bad, eat low fat, and eat tons of sugar. Okay. 
No worries. One question that. That's eight out of ten people. How we got onto this? How we got on this particular line? Uh, I think we're, we're going back through the compliance. The type of people I know that we're still in the direct principle. We've gone to a real bamboo shoot here. But we're gonna drag it back up. However we got here is however we got here. But it's like the kids. Oh, we're talking about the kids. EJ, EJ, yeah, kids, roll back up. Oh, I know it started with the kids. That particular point. Oh, that's right. That's right. I know where we are. The friend, my friends who know, who should be speaking up and aren't. And to what degree they can speak up. You know, to what degree, it's, it's, I'll, and I'll finish that point with my friend. What I said to him is that not everyone has to be on the front lines. Not everyone in the, in the fight against what's going on in this particular current moment in time has to be on the front lines. Not everyone has to be producing podcasts and videos. Absolutely not. But it's what I'm more speaking to is those who have the ability to. Not everyone has that crafted ability. I totally get that. But for those that do, it's very questionable to me. It's very questionable where your ethics and morals are in this time. And it's like, it's, it's not that, uh, you know, this is a very large question here. It's not even the question for this podcast. Maybe I'll throw it to you guys and you guys can wrap with it, which is, you know, is this time ever going to pass? Is there ever going to be a time where, you know, we can just go back to just social dynamics is my number one thing and you go back to doing whatever your number one thing is and we forget about this whole COVID and virus thing. Listen, I fucking hope so. <laughs> It is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting having to keep up every day with the newest affront to human rights, whatever the next thing's going to be, whether it's they're trying to mask or they're trying to vaccinate two-year-olds, you know, as they're trying to put masks on two-year-olds, they're trying to fine 10-year-olds for not wearing masks, you know, whatever the next thing is, it just keeps going and going. I hope one day that we will get back to a normal place of state of affairs. I'll finish that there. But it's going to have to be fought. It's going to have to be 4-4 four, four, and now we can get back to the principles on the sound masculinity and we'll start to, I keep saying we're going to start to wrap up directness and then something new pops up. But being direct, right? That, so what Sophie Scholl put together there, what Sophie put together in that incredible quote to me really just displays the, the map of what directness leads to. In, in times that were so tough and you guys all know the lineage of, of the tough times, which is that strong men create good times. But good times create weak men, and weak men create bad times. We're currently in that part of the saga, that weak men, we currently have an abundance of weak men in society, weak men who do not have the principle of being direct, weak men, and I see it in my own relationships, and I'm glad I brought that shit up. In my own circle of people, I'm seeing so much weakness, so much collapsing. And for those of you that have been following the bowl in particular, for all of the years that we have been doing this type of content in terms of long-form content, any of you that have been following this for a long amount of time, you will, you will know that it's like, like when you guys listen to me speak, when you listen to me and you see what I'm doing on Instagram and on my other channel, The Eternal Energy, are any of you surprised? Are any of you surprised that Adam is being so direct, so upfront about how he thinks and believes about the current state of affairs? No. No, no one has messaged me from all the last six years of relationships I've had for, with you guys from this particular content and gone, hey, listen, Adam, it's really incongruent and really inauthentic of you. And I'm quite frankly, just very indirect that you're being so upfront, speaking up about human rights and human freedoms and trying to get, you know, some normalcy and common sense back into the scenario. You know, it's, it's just not like you. It's not like you. It's like, no, of course not. What I'm doing now is not new for me. 
just the fact that it's being exercised in a new forum in with a new face with new wrapping paper you know that's new covid's a new thing well this particular problem is a new thing but i've always spoken to you guys about being direct i've always spoken to you it's just always been in the realm of one-to-one relationships but your one-to-one relationships are only a map to your one-to-many relationships the way that you involve yourself the way that you relate to yourself is how you relate to others the way that I relate to myself, the way that I relate to the girl that I, I fall asleep in bed tonight, right? The way that we have that tiny little relationship just between one-to-one is going to largely map to how I relate to one-to-many. It just fascinates me that this collapsing of this one particular principle, being direct. I've seen so many indirect people around, so particularly males. Not to say that there aren't indirect females getting about as well, but I'm just seeing it en masse. It is just so blatant. It's so... It's so omnipresent, the lack of, and it, and this, I've, I put this up on my Instagram story the other day. A few females did message me back in with some really nice inspirational stories of their mar- of their husbands uh, that are actually walking around unmasked and unfazed, in the words of one woman, unmasked and unfazed, not complying. And she's like, and it's, it's makes, and there was one other woman, oh, I can't fucking get, there's too many messages for me to select through. But I, I remember scanning across one message just this morning of one woman who was saying that, I'm more attracted to my partner because of his stance on this, about how he's not just complying, that he's rationally, critically thinking his way through it and that he's not being a sheep. It makes him more attractive to me. And I'm like, yeah. It's like, yeah, like the, the problem, the problem from a very sexual standpoint, like social dynamic standpoint, is that with all these weak males getting about, okay, now we're getting to big, big questions here. Where's the, where's the next fucking generation going to come from? It's like, what, what, what are we setting up the future generation for? What are, we, what are the boys that are currently boys? What are, there's a kid that I ran into today. I will talk about this kid later on. What is that little, tw- that little 11-year-old? Who's he going to grow up to be if all he has to look at is just a society of boys that look like men? What is this young little 11-year-old boy that is just around the corner looking up to right now when he sees people like Scott Morrison, Stephen Marshall, Dan Andrews? It's like, these are the leaders of society? That they, they are indirect. They're incongruent. They're inauthentic. They don't have the best interest of society at hand. They backflip at every moment, not because they admitted that they were wrong and that they were at fault, but because they're blaming others, that they're blaming other aspects. They are externally exporting the division of responsibility to others. And then they take a moral standpoint of that they are, that they're still good though. They're still good. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their mistake. They made no mistake. It was someone else's fault. It's like, this is the quality of leadership now, listen, let's be honest here. Prior to COVID, not many people I can say looked up to political leaders as role models. I never once looked at the prime minister and said, I want to be like him. I never once looked at the state premier and said, I want to be like him. I didn't even know their names for the most part prior to COVID. That is, uh, but maybe that's, maybe that's a gem right there. Eh? Maybe that's an absolute gem. Maybe that's a crystal in your eye. In which that, why not? Why aren't the leaders of this country the people that you want to be like? Who do you want your child to be like? These are big questions. Are you the man you want your son to be? Are you the masculine being that you want an 11-year-old kid riding his bike to school to be like? This morning, as I was walking home from the gym, as I was walking through this little rabbit warren, little rabbits warren of streets, little bundle of streets, really tightly packed in, this little uh, 11-year-old boy, school uniform, bike helmet, riding his bike, rides out, 
onto the big open, onto the middle of the street, this little conglomeration of tiny little streets. He's out in the open. And then he's got his tiny little sister. I almost said daughter then. Tiny little sister. Both of them. Cute as can be. And she's riding a little scooter. She's probably five, I think. No. No, no, no. A little bit older. She's like first, year one, something like that. Year one, maybe six or seven, something like that. And and he says hi to me. He looks at me and says, hi. And I say, good morning, how you going, man? He's like, I'm good, I'm good. He's like, what are you? And then he comes back at me and he goes, you just come from the boxing gym? You been boxing? Because I was in my uh, compression gear. I'm like, yeah, I just came from the gym, man. He's like, how often do you go to the gym? And all of a sudden, we're just walking next to each other as we're riding his bike slowly up the street. And I'm like, yeah, we'll do something every day. Got to move every day. You know, heavy weightlifting three, four times, but, you know, we'll do kickboxing, Muay Thai, we'll do some Olympic stuff. We'll do like rings, go down the beach, swim most nights, that type of thing. And he's like, oh, cool, got to stay active. Yeah, man. I'm like, what kind of sports do you play? And I'm like, oh, I play soccer, I do this. And then I'm talking to his little daughter, uh, little, said it again, his little sister. But the, oh, there you go, though. The reason why I keep almost stumbling and saying his little daughter is because he's like a little man. He's, listen, my friends, in the environment that we're currently in, this little rabbit's nest of straits that we're going through, it's, it's, not, it's not like you got to have an everyday carry on you. It's not like you got to have a, a pistol on your hip because it's that dangerous. It's not, it's not Atlanta. All right? it's, not, it's not Chicago. But it's, it's at the same time, or for those of you in uh, South Australia, it's not Elizabeth. It's not Salisbury. But it's still, you know, I will, I will be more aware. I will be slightly more aware in that area because it is definitely a pocket of low socioeconomic where some shady shit, drug deals and whatnot could go down if that was where they were going to go down. Have seen have seen drug deals going down there. So, but it's not like in your face. There's not like there's hookers on the side of the street and you've got to have a fucking 12-inch knife on you all the time. It's, it's not like that. But safe to say that these two riding their way to school without any parents or supervision, it's like I can see the kid, the younger boy. Uh, he's actually, his name was Dylan. Shout out to Dylan. I can see Dylan riding to school on his own. You know, he's on a bike. He can probably ride pretty fast being a young kid, but he's on a bike and he's got some maneuverability. But his younger sister, his younger sister, I, I do remember as I was walking through, I was like, where's the parents? I'm like, is, is the parents here? Now, this is back in the day when I was growing up, you know, you wouldn't even have thought to ask that question. So what about society has changed that we now have to ask that question? Is it because there's such a giant increase in kidnappings? Is that true? I don't think that's true. I don't think statistically, I haven't heard any statistics on that. Kidnappings are just rocketing through the roof. I think the perception though is there, which is an interesting thing, which is why people don't keep their doors unlocked. Hmm. Interesting. Larger questions, larger questions, not for the story. The point of the story was that I was surprised that these two were on their own that there wasn't at least something of an uh, older supervision there just because of the area they were riding around in that they were going through. Either way, either way, I was put to pretty much calm almost immediately. Why? Because he felt like, not that, not that he was a father figure to his younger sister, but that he was definitely the older brother, that he, was, he had this element of older brotherness that this... 
structural care component, this rock-like foundation to him that even in the way that when I would ask his younger sister, Ariana, that's her name, when I would ask Ariana, she had a little blonde, she's a little blonde, blonde-haired girl, six years old, when I would ask her like a question like, what do you play? What are your favorite things to do at school? She would be like, um, like she was pretty nervous. She wasn't very confident. And then Dylan would take it upon himself to go, oh, you like this, don't you? Oh, you like that. Like he would be guiding her even through psychological conversation, just psychological guidance. This 11-year-old was guiding his younger six-year-old uh, sister. It's like, this is good. Like this is, this is what I'm, t- this is feels really good. Not only does it feel really good from a relationship dynamic standpoint in terms of masculine principles, so he, and we're going to get to where, why I think this is in a second, but in his one-to-one with me, he was comfortable to have conversation with me. I had a bit, I had better conversation with him than I have with fully grown male beings at the gym. And I don't mean like while they're in the middle of a set. I'm talking about when they're clearly resting or they're clearly not doing anything intense and all they can muster up is a, you know, you know, and even if it's not at the gym, because you guys might think, oh, the fucking warrior mode, that's a problem in and of itself. Like, you're not going to war when you go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, okay, there are rare scenarios. There are some scenarios, if a moments, there are moments, I get it, there are moments where you go hashtag walls will not fall, where you go into, you're doing maximum lifts or you're doing maximum intensity on the high inter- high intervals and you're doing battle ropes or you're doing swinging the fucking hammer or you're just going to town on the bag. Yeah, there are moments there. But then when you're in your rest and you're not doing it, because if you are going that fucking hard, if you're going that hard, you're not going to last very long. If you're doing a true maximum effort, you're going to last about 10 to 30 seconds. And it's going to, you know, 10 seconds at the max and then just going to keep trailing off until you're just unconscious. But then you're going to have rest and a long period of rest in between those. You're not a warrior all the time, mate. Like, it's okay. Fucking remember that you're a human being. One of the things, one of my absolute pet peeves at the gym is guys that have a warrior face the entire time. It's like, they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to look at you. Don't explain to me. I'm in a fucking warrior mode. Don't come on me. Yeah, it's like that type of vibe about him. It's like, fucking chill out. It's like, I've been in gym since I was 16 years old. I'm 28 now. You can relax. Like, you can relax. There's nothing you're going to do here that is going to shift the bonds of gravity. (laughs) You know? But everyone is so wrapped up in their own shit, particularly younger guys as well. So much bravado. And you know what? I can I can uh I can look back and go and say very safely that I was also that guy. When I was 16 to 18, every fucking workout was going to Gallipoli. It was it was it was storming Gallipoli, you know? It's like it was landing on the beaches of Gallipoli to fight the Turkish in World War. It was just I can't believe how stupid it was. It's like, chill the fuck out. It's just a workout, man. (laughs) You're going to move some weight up and down. You're not saving anyone's life, okay? So anyways, anyways, anyways. Even even taking out beyond the funny gym examples, this 11-year-old boy who I never met before was interacting with me better than other males that I see regularly that I see on the daily down at the beach, guys I don't know down there. And because I'm, I'm regular at this beach, I go every night, you know, even just people that I just walk by, you know, but I've seen them many, many a times. And it's like this 11-year-old has incredible social dynamics. It fucking blew me away. And it's only blowing me away more now because I'm, I'm packing it and I'm reviewing it now really for the first time with you guys. But I remember walking away from it going, like I, I shook his hand at the end. I don't shake hands with, with just random kids. 
like, and, and not in that way. I don't, I don't I also do take the time to remember their names unless there's something worth it, unless they show me something there. But not only did I shake his hand, but I remembered his name and his younger sister's name. Dylan and Ariana, remember their ages, remember what they like, soccer, right? You know, it's, it's, I was, I was invested into the conversation because he was a great dance partner. He had a high level of social dynamics for his age and not even, no, 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 take that out. Well, it's true for his age, for sure. I'm sure he's above par, above average, but in comparison to people that I know that are well older than him, his social dynamics were well, well above. The reason why I wanted to bring up this story, though, in particular, was not to just pump Dylan up, in case, I know Dylan's not listening to this, but maybe one day, shout out if you ever do one day, pay homage, but it's more to the point of, I'm just trying to think of why I brought up the young boy story, oh, there we go, it's more to the point of, who do you want your 11-year-old son to be? That's why I brought up this example of the younger kids. The next generation, the young boys, where are they getting their inspiration from? Because they're certainly not looking to our prime minister or premiers. The people in the most, wouldn't you think that the people in the highest positions of leadership would also be of the highest caliber? Don't you just think that that is a natural consequence? That if you make it to the highest position of leadership in terms of managing an entire society, that that person would be of the highest caliber in terms of their directness, congruence, authenticity. We haven't even got to the other two principles yet. We are going to fucking town on this podcast. I know this is going to be a long podcast. But this is what I'm saying. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that? But at the same time, which is what I've heard many people say in many different lines, is that the people that you want, like, who, who wants to manage an entire society of people? Who thinks that they're good enough to do that? Anyone who thinks that they're good enough to do that and anyone who wants to do that should not be doing that. I totally understand that message and I agree with it, which is why at the same time, what you need to do then, the answer, the antidote to that seemingly non-harmonious relationship, the inability to harmonize that scenario is that what you need is someone who does not want to be there, who is of the highest caliber, who is direct, congruent, authentic, and can cover with empathy who does not want to manage society, does not want and does not think he can do a very good job at it. That is the guy, that or woman, that is the guy, that is the person that should be managing everyone. Where it's it's like they really don't fucking want to do it. But, but it's because they've been through so much else in life that their life is not managing other people. Yeah. Yeah, let's put that point to the side though. It's really hard to keep this shit separate. It's just the way the state of society is. It's all kind of interrelated, but it's really the main point of what I want to get onto here is being direct. If we can bring this back to being direct and tie this principle into with this young kid, it's like, who you want your son to be? Who do you want these little kids to be? Because these little kids, I, without a shred of a doubt, know that someone in that little kid, Dylan's life, is doing a good job. Someone in his life, whether it's a teacher at school, maybe his family is a piece of shit, actually. And maybe it's his teacher. He's got one teacher at school. Actually, you know what? I might even go as far to say that that might be something I can lean towards because during our conversation, he just randomly mentioned how his teacher is having a baby and that uh, he's, he's, they've got a substitute teacher in. And he mentioned how, but the woman's a good woman. <laughs> he said that to me. He actually said that, but she's, but the, the mom's a good mom. You know, the woman's a good woman. We met her. 
I'm like, what? You know, it's like I didn't I didn't pry beyond that, but he knew that much, which means he cares about his teacher's life enough. So maybe his teacher is having a huge impact. I can't say that he doesn't have older brothers or older uh, family members, but let's be honest, at that age, he's probably spending more time with his male teacher than he is with his dad. Most likely. Like he's spending roughly eight hours a day at school. And when he gets home, you know, he's he's probably gonna go play with his friends, do some homework if he's doing it. Right, and his dad's who knows how good his involved his dad dad is, but at the most, his dad's gonna have maybe three or four hours of them. So he's definitely spending more time at school. So that's actually a really important point. Let's get high quality masculine energy into the schools. If you're even gonna have schools, because there is some rubbish going on in schools right now. Oh, let's please don't get me started on that. Someone sent me a, a DM the other day saying that they've got two kids in school at the moment, and two of their teachers said that it's going to be the children's fault if they don't wear masks and people die. It's the child's fault if someone dies and they won't wear a mask. This is literally what teachers in Australia are saying to young kids, school kids. It's obscene. Absolutely obscene. It's incredible. Obviously, it's not all teachers. This is one specific example, but there's more. There's more lunacy going on. Influences, my friends. Influences who you're listening to, who you're spending your time around. It's who. Sh- it's how. It's how we shape these kids. It's how we shape these kids. You know, I haven't even spoken about my own father. My own fathers, and we haven't really got into fathers yet. But it's it's like so much. This podcast needs ten hours. <laughs> Where are we at? It's like there's so much to unravel here. So I just needed to take a moment. We're really still in the directness of things, and I'll just finish that. Di- I know I tried to say this before. I'll finish the story with Dylan by saying. He was so direct with me. He was upfront and direct with his emotions with me. That he, you know, a lot of kids, and I don't fault kids for it because kids are taught that you need to be cautious around strangers. Absolutely. You need to be able to screen and you need to be able to make snap judgments on whether this is someone safe to be talking to. I get all that. But at the same time, when you do deem that this is a pretty safe scenario, if it's just a guy walking home from fucking the gym and, you know, he's pretty friendly and he's looking me in the eyes and it's all good he's not being shady about things he's not trying to touch me keeping his reasonable distance you know then let the walls down for a second just be human being kids need to learn this as well kids should not be walking around as if they are afraid of other human beings yet that is exactly what masks and social distancing is forcing them to do it's fucking outrageous but i shook this kid's hand absolutely look this kid in the eye absolutely Walking side by side, absolutely. And it was his directness of his ability to just interrelate with me at such a young age. Outstanding. All right. Now, we're going to park, we'll park that there. Otherwise, I can, I can actually use his story. We could almost have done a full podcast on Dylan. There's so much more I want to talk about. And maybe we'll come back to it when it comes back to the, we're going to discuss fathership, father to son relationships later on. But let's just, let's just go right back. Let's go right back at the top and just finish. The, pri- the pillar, the principle of being direct and what sound masculinity is founded upon. Everything in life is so much easier when you're direct. Are there nuances where being direct is not the most socially savvy thing? Absolutely. There are some times where, for an example, if you are stuck in a plane next to someone to directly tell them that, you know, I really don't like you. <laughs> I really don't like you. Or if it's a really attractive woman, excuse me, miss, I think you're really sexy. Like, but you're stuck on a plane. This is a socially unsavvy move because they have no ability to leave the scenario if things go down, if they don't like what you're saying. Right? It's a very high risk move is what we're saying. 
There are nuances. There are ways of conveying an indirect verbal message with direct energy. This is a nuance. Not for right now. But largely speaking, the principle of being direct with people, telling them how you feel, how you think, is always going to be the win. It's always going to save the most amount of pain. It's always going to save the most amount of time. It's always going to make sure that you can sleep well at night, that you are someone of integrity, someone that someone can respect, someone that someone can trust, that you, they would have you in the trenches, at the walls, at the hot gates. It's like that, that to me is the character. It's, it's the character. Okay, so let's move to congruence now. Congruence is congruence in your external actions, external actions. If I say that I'm going to do something, I do it. That's really what sums up congruence. If I say that I'm about something, if I say that this is what I want, this is my desire, this is what I intend, that my external action follows through of it. The congruence, for example, hmm, for example, take something as simple as jumping into the ocean in freezing cold water every day for 12 weeks in a row. Ocean cold plunge challenge. This is something that I recently just wrapped up in my own life. This year was the first year that I did every single day of winter, barring one week in which that because of lockdown, I wasn't allowed to go to the beach because of the fucking movement restrictors. The, the movement radius restrictions couldn't leave two, two Ks beyond my own house. So I did ice baths instead. Actually, I made sure that I got the uh, thermometer out to get it down to zero degrees basically every time. Saving that one week, every single day, in the ocean. And also for three months prior to that, throughout all of autumn, did a cold plunge to prepare my body for it. But I said, I said to everyone on social media, I said to everyone on my weekly amount news that I'm bowl sip, for three months, I said that I am preparing to do a daily challenge of Ocean Cold Plunge Challenge. I made a video, an entire video on the Eternal Energy channel about it before it was done. I was saying that this is what I'm going to be doing. So there's no backing down. If I was going to be incongruent, you would all know. You would all say that Adam failed. No, he didn't do it because I showed outrageous amounts of proof and I did a weekly recap every single week. And almost, well, at least for like the first month or so, I was basically putting on Instagram every single day. Then I just, then after that, for the remaining three months of winter, I just did once every week. But make no mistake, I was down there every single day. Lightning, hail, storms, giant swells, swells so dangerous that you couldn't even get beyond knee deep you just have to lie down in the shallows because it was so dangerous mornings where your skin just burned red where your skin is red upon entry you know wind chills so destructive that you just you can't even regain your core temperature unless you down a hot even after a hot bottle hot thermos of boiling water it's you still have to get home and you and then it's still a fight to get your, your core temperature back up every single day though Say what you do and do what you say. This is congruence. It's the external actions in your relationships. When I said before, I mentioned at the start of the podcast, I say that I'll be there for you, I'll be there. If I said that I'll be there at 12 o'clock, I'm there at 12 o'clock. If I made an appointment with you a week ago, but I said that, and we said that it was going to be Friday at 5 o'clock, you don't need to text me uh, Thursday night. If I said last Friday, I'll be there this Friday at 5 p.m., I'll be there at 5 p.m. These are really old school principles of congruence that when technology didn't allow you to be incongruent, you had to be congruent. So back in the day, when we only had home phones, when my home number was 8332 bracket 08, and my best mate, the only way of organizing after school when we were going to meet with each other 
or to do a three-way call with some of your friends to arrange when you're going to meet up on the movies is if you were on MSN Messenger on your desktop computer and you went on the home phone and you guys said, all right, we're going to see James Bond, Casino Royale, Norwood, 1 p.m. Saturday. And you just trusted that they will be there because you know that they're all congruent. If they said they're going to be there, if they can't be there, they'll let you know. Otherwise, assume I'll be there. It's one of the most, it's one of the most like fundamental principles, human principles. It's such a simple core level. It's it's almost like kind of boggling my mind that we've lost this. That there was once a time in which that you just trusted people's word. You didn't send to them a text the day before saying, hey, still good for tomorrow. And then you didn't then the next day at three hours before saying, hey, see you at one. And it's like 10 p.m., 10 a.m. And then it's like five minutes before you, you get there, they send you a text saying, hey, listen, I'm only five minutes away. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, what are you, what in God's name are you doing? You said you'd be here at 1 p.m. I'm here at 1 p.m. You don't need to tell me about your daily movements confirming to me that you will be there at 1 p.m. It's just, it really fucks with me that people have entered this state of distrust. And it's not even state of distrust of other people, it's state of distrust of themselves. That people are so untrusting of themselves to be congruent within themselves to externally follow through on their actions. It's like if, if you said that I'm just going to stop putting bullshit into my body, I'm going to stop eating processed food that we know are ancestrally incongruent, that at no stage throughout our evolutionary development did we have access to high fructose corn syrup, processed seed oils, right, to all this refined carbohydrate, and particularly the seed oils that are really fucking you up. I talk about canola and, and sunflower oil and all this, and, uh, you know, peanut oil. You know, you say, if you said to yourself, I'm going to stick to, even if it's something as small as just 30 days of whole real food, nothing enters my body but whole real food. If it did not have parents, if it didn't come out of the ground or off a tree, I don't eat it. And if it comes to me in the form of a packet, you keep that shit away from me. If it comes to me in the form of a bottle, and it wasn't glass from the mountains, you get that shit away from me, right? It's either coming out of another animal or if it's falling off a tree. That's it. Like That's all the shit that I'm eating. I'm going to do that for 30 days. And you set that goal. Congruence is completing that goal. Congruence in your own internal management. I just mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, people don't trust themselves. People don't trust themselves that, to the point of which they won't even uptake challenges. I want to give you the impression that it's unacceptable to fail. It is more than acceptable to fail. In fact, it's encouraged. I encourage that you run towards whatever potentially you could fail at. Not running towards failure, but running towards challenges in which that you could fail. Otherwise, it would not be challenging. If you're going to run towards eating more bullshit, there's no failure even present because there was never ever a challenge to begin with. These cold plunges... This discipline of eating, this discipline of mind, this discipline of if you've got an addiction to anything, whether it be coke, ice, porn, it's even sex itself in an unhealthy way, you know, food, a certain type of movement, a certain way of thinking. It's like the lack of congruence in masculine beings at the moment is actually much more systemic as I'm now just realizing. It's not even just that. People aren't doing what they say they'll do. Is that people aren't even willing to say that they'll do. That's a different iteration of what's just coming to me right now. 
It's, it's something different. It's different when someone says they'll go on and embark on a 30-day challenge of just eating whole real food and then fail on it and then just, you know, for whatever the reason, they caved. It's, but it's a different level to not even embark on that journey, to not even attempt the challenge. I think about this in terms of social dynamics. I remember when I was first coming up, even before I was a coach of social dynamics, how when I completed my first 30-day challenge of going out every single day and meeting cold strangers, I remember in the local Adelaide community, there were, there were many other guys that had never done it, never even attempted it, and were jaw-cracked at the idea that I even completed that with one of my, a couple of my mates as well. But they wouldn't do it. But it was rare though. Like it, it wasn't, the uptake of the challenge, the, the, the non-uptake of the challenge, people to adamantly say, I won't do this, as in I, I cannot do this and I will not do this. So I will not even embrace the challenge because I know I'll fail. Basically precluding themselves from even a chance of success before even stepping out of a challenge. Basically failing before failing. It was rare to see that in social dynamics. But now when I see it as a six, well, how many, 10 years plus into the journey and six years of professional coaching, that it's far more ever present to hear messages on Instagram, receive emails from people saying, you know, it's just like, I'd love to do it, but I just can't do it. It's like, well, hang on a second. How many times have you tried? It's like none. I'm like, what's What's wrong with you? How how incongruent can you be to know that this is something you want to do, but you're not even willing to give yourself a shot, to give yourself a chance at even attempting to do something that you want to do? It's one thing to be so incongruent as to not follow through, but it's a different thing to be so incongruent to not even attempt to follow through on the thing that you want to do. You see what I'm saying? To fail before failing. Before you even, even knew you were going to fail, you already failed. That to me is another representation of very much weak masculinity, very much weak. It's really immature because obviously feminine can be affected by this as well. It's a weak, it's a crack in the wall of human principles. It's a, not even a crack, it's a chasm. It's a giant, giant decay to preclude yourself from even a shot at doing something that you wanted to do. So really, when I've always described the principle of congruence, say what you do and actually do it, right? This is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it and I'll do it. That is what congruence is. It's externally based. It's what you do outside of yourself. It's how you export yourself. It's how you manifest in relationships, not only within, that you had birth within yourself, but also you know, the relationships you have psychologically, about how you eat, about how that you treat yourself, but also how you treat others. We talk about that external congruence as well in terms of people outside of yourself. Because congruence, while I'm talking about congruence in terms of it's your external actions, but your external actions in relation to what relationship? It can also be in relation to the relationship of people you have outside of yourself, but the relationship within yourself. Absolutely. And we'll get to authenticity. But whenever I've described congruence, I've never really gone to that level of depth because it hasn't been as present. It hasn't been as so ever-present. And I keep saying that, but it's true. This, these terms, omnipresent, keep appearing. That is so common nowadays to hear people not even giving themselves a chance because they think they're just going to fail in general. In your personal relationships, let's move off that. It's just, it's a, it's a pain point for sure. I'd much rather someone just fail abysmally, but have the proof that they failed than people that never even get, it's like, you're not even living life at that point. 
You're not even living life if you're not even willing to give yourself a chance at even potentially failing. And then you can see this in sexual relationships. Incongruence in sexual relationships. My Lord. My Lord, where are you going to start with this? You know, the obvious examples that maybe appear to your mind first is, okay, if you think about the core principle of say what you do and do what you say, follow through on your word and on your actions, said you're going to bring home the coconut oil, didn't bring home the coconut oil. Yeah, that's small shit in relationships. But actually it can speak to larger issues for sure. But really, I think for those of you that are listening, I'll try and make, because I could take a million examples here. I'll try and, try and make it most relevant to you guys. Incongruence. How about this? Say that you're going to see other people, but you don't. Huh? No, no, no. No, no, no. I love this one. I love this one. Say that you're going to see other people, but you don't. What am I speaking towards there? Open for a relationship. If you had set up an open for a relationship with a woman, which is founded upon that you need to learn about yourself in relation to others. And the very reason why you set up this relationship is because you need to grow. You need to learn that you need to traverse from and evolve from immature state psychology to mature state psychology. The only way I'm going to do that right now is by deepening my roots in humanity, experiencing and absorbing as much as I can from the human beings in this world. Of course, I need to be able to see other people. She's on board though. She's like, yes, yes, I am in agreement. I need to be about that as well. And so you set up all the micro T's and C's of the relationship, which means that, yeah, I'm going to need to see other people and et cetera, et cetera. There's so many other principles. Check all the other podcasts for those principles on open and free relationships. But then you go home and you cancel a date with another girl. Cancel a date with another girl. Caught off in a relationship with another girl. Or when you knew that there was a potential relationship to be had with another girl, you chose not to go into it. And you decide to focus all your energy and all your intent on this one girl. It's incongruent. How about this? Changing who you are because of the person in front of you. It's incongruent. It's what I like to call the sushi man. If you were to step into a sushi restaurant, a sushi trained restaurant, who are you? Are you the man on the seat? Or are you the sushi going around the conveyor belt? Yeah. Yeah. You got all these different types of sushi going around on the conveyor belt. You got the gunkan ship. You got the chicken karagi. You got the sashimi. It's a whole, this is a whole new sushi every second going by on this train. It's so incongruent. <laughs> Compared to the man sitting on the bench who's just the one man who is selectively deciding he stays congruent himself. It's like, okay. I'm looking at all these different options. I'm looking at all these different things flying by me, but I stay within me. I sit deeply within myself. I'm not the sushi. I'm the man on the seat. This is a great painting of what congruence is. I don't change who I am because of the person in front of me. I don't change who I am because of the woman in front of me. Just because she's a stunning, absolutely epitome, absolute epitome of feminine beauty doesn't change who I am. I don't change who I am because she's an absolute diamond. She's an absolute diamond in the sky. She's blowing me up. Right? She's sexually on a different level in terms of the experience that we had together. The amount of love she's been able to convey into me, the way she makes me feel, the release, the release of my own spiritual energy within her as a result of her. She is just this, she's like this, this key, this key to a door that was always locked. And so now, ah, hang on. And now what? And now what, Jeffrey? What, now you're going to stop going to the gym? Now you're going to spend all your time with her? Now you're going to stop working on your purpose in life? Now you're just going to put her above everything else? Now that you're just going to collapse again. Collapse again as you once were. 
You've done so much work up this journey to become the type of person that would be attractive enough in principle to this attractive woman. And so you got to the dance. You got away to the peak of the mountain and you found yourself up on the tree. There was a peach tree atop this mountain and you finally got your way up there through all this hard work. And the moment that you got there, you decided to just rest. And not even just rest, you decided to roll back down the mountain. You decided that it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. The reward of the top of the mountain wasn't enough for you. It wasn't enough to validate the journey of itself. It's like the journey never really meant anything at that point, did it? For all those people that forsake themselves, for all the guys that I've seen that have forsaken themselves, say it again, for all the guys that I have seen that have forsaken themselves on the journey of social dynamics because all they were doing was chasing external validation. When I say the fruit, the woman is not the fruit. It's her validation. It's the way that she, it's the way that you interpret the way that she makes you feel. It's the importance you place upon her position in your life. How that relates to your friends, your family, your only goal concept of what it means to be a successful man. It was that validation you're always seeking. And so then when you achieve it, you change who you are. You see this so often. You see guys that were looking to be pillars, showing potential of strength, of masculine principle. Then all of a sudden, a woman walks into their life and they collapse. Stones in my heart, man. Stones in my heart. It really hurts even just saying that. It's painful. It's like, who would knowingly, who would consciously allow that to happen? It's, it's like it's so unfathomable. Unfathomable? Infathomable? It's non-fathomable in which that someone would actively do that. Yet it's so common. I can tell you guys, the amount of people I have worked with from the space of maybe one to six, very rarely more than a year, one to six months, they do a lot of really good work. Then one woman comes in and they just give up on it. And then all of a sudden they come back three months, a year later, sometimes a couple of years later. And they say that their life's in ruins. Their life has just fallen apart. And it's not just that the relationship with that girl fell apart, but everything else seemed to fall apart. It's like we changed who you are because of the person in front of you. And that's the beauty of social dynamics. That's the beauty of human beings. We just mirrors. We just mirror each other. We mirror off the best and the worst of each other. We just mirror who we are. Never going to change who I am because of the person in front of me. There's a deal that I made with myself a long time ago when I found out about myself as a result of going through the process of cold human interactions that that's exactly what I do. It's like when you start embracing cold human interactions, one of the very first things you find out is how congruent can I be? When I'm operating with a 95-year-old man who's just chilling with the pigeons versus this young 21-year-old absolute dime piece, absolute bitty. She loved me up, blowing my mind. She makes my knees weak. Can I act with her in the same way that I act with the 95-year-old man with the pigeons? Am I the same person? Now, it's not to say that I'm going to convey sexual intent to the 95-year-old man. But can I be just as direct, just as congruent, just as authentic, covering of empathy with him as I am with an absolute dime piece, with the woman that's blowing my mind? It's one of the very first things you find out about yourself. And for almost everyone, otherwise, yeah, I would say, I say almost, I've been too generous, for everyone who walks the path 
of cold social dynamics. You find out that's not the case. You find out that you treat the absolute dime piece very differently to the 95-year-old man. You find that you're at ease with the 95-year-old man. You're very comfortable with him. You say what you think. You do as you will. You're relaxed. You chill. You keep your voice nice and centered. You keep your body nice and loose. Loosen the mind. Loosen the heart with this 95-year-old man. Why? No pressure. No pressure. Nothing to take. Nothing to receive. Just is what it is. But then when you get in front of the dime piece, now is all the pressure. Why? Because i got to take. Got to get. Got to get validated. Got to make sure she likes me. Got to make sure that she likes everything that I say. Got to make sure that I get a win here. So that when I can go home, I can tell my friends that I didn't get rejected, that I got a win. That all my friends that are watching right now, got to make sure they see me get a win. It's always it's this game. It's this transactional mentality. Adds pressure. Adds pressure. Changes who you are. So you start saying things to get wins, which means that you start filtering your communication for reception, for pleasure, to be, uh, to be received well. And we know what happens when that happens. Because to enter that mode, that please mode, supplication mode, compliance mode, pedestal mode, you can't possibly be present. You must be in your mind having to filter. In order to filter what you're saying, you must be in your mind. You cannot possibly be present with that person. And so what she's receiving, what that dime piece is feeling, she may have previously actually been pretty hot on you, may actually have been pretty receptive to you coming up. But now all of a sudden that when she's looking into your eyes and you're not even there, you're not even there, your eyes are just glazed over a thin veneer because you're so stuck in your mind about what to say, what to do in order to get her, in order to win her. She just cut off. Not cut off because she wanted to be cut off, that she wished to be cut off from you, but because you cut yourself off. Changed who you are because of the person in front of you. How does one overcome this? Through the fire? Through the reps? Through the reps of seeing your inadequacy again and again. It's always the most confusing thing in the world of social dynamics in which the the very people that enter the world of social dynamics are the very people who started off by wanting to have better relationships, but they avoid the one nutrient that would allow them to have better relationships, which is rejection, which is the illumination of their inadequacy. Only through that knowledge could you create the wisdom of becoming a stronger, better version of yourself. How else would you do that? If you didn't have points to fail on, large 10% chunks to be rejected on because your intent was shit, your eyes were shit, vocals were shit, body was shit, vibe was shit, I would say body, body language was shit. If you didn't have those holes, you wouldn't have to be doing this. The interaction would be going perfectly as it was. It's not the case though. So why on earth would you, knowing full well that you have so much to work on, attempt to pretend that was not the case? It is so nonsensical. It's like you go into these interactions you go, you'd approach these random cold people trying to be someone or something that you're not. You think that's ever going to work? You ever think that spraying diamond dust on a giant smelly pile of shit is ever going to fool someone? How's that going to fool someone? You're not going to fool anyone. <laughs> it's literally just spraying diamond, diamond mist onto a heaping pile of shit. And that is what you are effectively trying to do 
when you try to alter who you are, change who you are in front of someone in order to not have them reject you, in order to not have them see the worst of you. Now, this is not me saying to go then and, well, what are you saying? And present the worst of yourself? No. Always attempt to present the best of yourself. Don't change who you are. Don't do it from a place of having to win them, get them, see them, have them see you as someone different. You just present the very best. You do the very best that you can and that's it. Let the leaves fall where they may. Let the cherry blossom fall where it may. Let that five centimeters per second go down as it may. And then what's amazing though is that through that process, the sooner you can accept that, the faster you actually get on the path, the faster you are onto the journey of actually alchemizing yourself into someone who is of that actual principle, who is actually attractive, who doesn't, who doesn't even, if they wanted to, couldn't if they wanted to change who they are because who they are now is direct congruent authentic. Congruence. Cover with the E. With the E, empathy. Don't shoot you. Don't, don't be the sushi. Don't be, uh, don't, be, don't be the sushi train, I should say. Change every five seconds, all right? 